I speak to you in the name of the living God, blessed Trinity, and lover of your souls. Amen. So on one of my first dates as an out gay woman, I took a lovely lesbian to a party at a friend's house. This friend just so happened to be an Episcopal priest. And before the party, she said, hey everyone, we're going to have a quick Eucharist before dinner because it's so-and-so's feast day. So we did. It took 15 minutes and was lovely for me. But at the end of the night, after the dinner party, my date said to me on the drive home, your friends were really nice, but I do have one question. What's Eucharist? And I realized she'd never been to church before. She is one of what in recent decades has been termed a nun. Not an N-U-N, but an N-O-N-E. A nun. People who grew up without church. Now she'd been to services at churches before, surely, but only for weddings and maybe a graveside funeral that usually didn't have Eucharist. So what would you have said to her on the drive home? after your date at a priest's house. (laughs) What's Eucharist? You know what it is, right? The sacrament of wine becoming blood and bread becoming body, right? I don't mean to confuse you with my tone. Eucharist is the name of this weekly meal that we attend to commemorate our Lord's Last Supper. And we'd all probably describe it in that way, or something like it, to someone who's new to the word. But because we're good church people, and because of our experience of that meal, and because most of us, I think, are non-Greek speakers, Eucharist is such a holy word, one reserved to describe something sacred. But if we remove the word from this context for just a moment and place it, I don't know, on a summer's day in the Greek Isles, for instance, a day you feel the sun on your face, the Aegean Sea breeze skimming across the waters, ruffling tufts of hair atop your head, and on this day, you stretch out your hand as a waiter knowingly places in it a fancy seltzer water or a mojito or whatever makes you happy, and you turn toward him with a a smile and you say, Eucharist, or Efkaristo if you want to blend in with the other Greeks. Efkaristo. It's the ancient Greek word for thank you. Still in use today. And it's also the word we pronounce as Eucharist. It's kind of funny, isn't it? To think about Eucharist as a commonplace thank you. Except if you were to glance in our Book of Common Prayer, you'd find the title, The Great Thanksgiving, introducing all our Eucharistic prayers. In our tradition, this sacred meal is in its simplest terms our big thank you to God. So what are we thanking God for? The date drive back home is long. (laughs) Well, Scripture gives us some clues. 
See, we took this word Eucharist from the Bible, from ancient Greek texts like today's epistle, where Paul recounts Jesus giving thanks, a.k.a. offering Eucharist to God as he takes bread and he breaks it apart and he gives it for us, for people. The Greek root of the word Eucharist is charis. That might be familiar to some. Charis, it means grace. Well, so that's why we call it grace when we break bread together. Grace, thanksgiving. We offer thanks to God before a meal. We give thanks for the grace, for the gifts. We aren't sure we always deserve. This is one of those basic meanings of the word Eucharist. But Paul tells us today that we give thanks at this particular meal in order to remember. Remember what? Well, Jesus actually says it's a who. Do this in remembrance of me. The Last Supper, Jesus breaks bread and says, this is me. And he pours out wine and he says, this is me. Every time you do these things, you're proclaiming Jesus' death. Jesus wants us to remember that he was broken like bread. And he bled like poured out wine. Paul says that before Jesus did all these hand movements, he said these words. He Eucharisted God. He thanked God for what all that symbolizes, for all that it means. So we remember. We do and we say what Jesus did and said. We remember Jesus and we thank God for grace. But what we're thanking God for exactly, what this particular grace is, well, we may need a little bit more help from other places in Scripture. See, this sacrament of Eucharist, this word, comes directly from two moments in Jesus' life outlined in the Gospels. Jesus doesn't Eucharist very often in Scripture. He's not a big thank you person. In fact, he only says thank you directly to God aloud one time. One time. So in Matthew and Mark, those two Gospels, Jesus is said to have Eucharisted or thanked God for the bread and the fish that feed the thousands. Do you remember that story? The little boy with his loaves of bread and his few fish. And then at the Last Supper in Matthew and Mark, Jesus is said to have thanked God to have Eucharisted the bread and the wine. In both stories, this word is used. Jesus breaks bread, lifts up his eyes to God, and says thank you just before he distributes the food to the people. Now there's two more Gospels. So what happens in Luke? The same story about feeding the thousands is told, but Jesus doesn't thank God in Luke. Jesus uses a different Greek word, eulageos, eulageo. He eulageoses the food, which means he blesses it. 
Okay, so Luke says Jesus blesses it when he does this. You can also translate it as praises it. But then he does still Eucharist at the Last Supper. If I've lost you, it's, it's okay. <laughs> but I want to say one more thing about John. Because see, the inverse is true in the Gospel of John. Jesus Eucharists the bread for the thousands, but in John, he blesses the bread at the Last Supper. The point is, all, in all four Gospels, Jesus Eucharist's bread at either the feeding of the thousands or the Last Supper. And it links these two stories together. So, since we are biblical scholars in this place, we have to ask, right? We've got our date waiting. What does the gospel linking these stories together tell us? Well, the feeding of the thousands, it tells us that Jesus has the ability to take bread and multiply it to meet everyone's need for physical food. We literally mimic this every time we come to the Lord's table. Have you ever noticed the priest takes one host? It's about this big, right? Breaks it. And suddenly, there's all these little hosts for everybody else to eat from. More than enough to feed everyone in the room. We Eucharist, the feeding of the thousands every Sunday, just like Jesus did. And we do this, I think, to reveal with an external sign that you've all received the body, the bread. An external sign of an invisible grace that's revealed at the Last Supper story. What I mean is this. We learn in the Last Supper that that bread you eat isn't just bread. And the wine isn't just wine. Jesus is the bread. Jesus is the wine. And so if we connect the two stories... We know what it means. Just as Jesus fed everyone who was hungry with one basket of bread, Jesus will nourish the souls of all humanity with just his one physical body. The symbolism of this is sacramental. It uses something physical to reveal something spiritual. It uses something outward to reveal something inward, something material to reveal something ethereal. Eucharist nourishes our spirits and our bodies. But bodies, what is physical, decays. What is flesh, dies. This takes us to the second story in Scripture where Jesus, Eucharists, the only time he is ever recorded speaking the word Eucharist to God. We just heard it not too long ago. It's at the resurrection of Lazarus. Jesus stands before the tomb of his dead friend. Just as he did at the feeding of the thousands and at the Last Supper, he lifts up his eyes to God, but there is no bread. Yet he gives thanks. There is no bread, but this time he says aloud, Eucharist. And Lazarus is resurrected. Eucharist and resurrection happen. Now, I think this is important, that John omits the word Eucharist in his story of the Last Supper. I think it's important because for John, our gospel writer of today, the miracle of the Eucharist, the sacrament, the grace of Eucharist, was revealed in a different location in Jesus' life. Jesus' two stories of Eucharist connect what happened at the feeding of the thousands and the grave of Lazarus feeding of the thousands in the grave of Lazarus. 
This tells me Eucharist is not just about breaking of bread. It's not just about Christ's suffering and death. The Eucharistic meal is also about the mending of body, about the healing of death. Matthew, Mark, and Luke focus on Eucharist as the Last Supper. Everything in Jesus' story is guiding us toward his death and resurrection in their Gospels. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus is pointing us toward our death and our resurrection. In John, the single boy's lunch was a symbol of Jesus' ability to feed many, and Lazarus' resurrection was this singular example of the many who will be raised with Christ. John's gospel is the only gospel that tells us when Jesus' body was resurrected, the graves of other human beings opened up, and they all came out, just like Lazarus did. For John, resurrection is Eucharist. Our feeding and our healing through Christ is what we are thankful for. This is why the early church fathers spoke of Eucharist as the medicine of immortality, the antidote we take in order not to die, but to live forever in Jesus Christ. Jesus promises in the Gospel of John, if anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. Thomas Aquinas says that those who eat the Eucharist live spiritually now without sin and will live physically forever. So Eucharist, on your next date, you can tell him this. <laughs> Eucharist is bread and wine. Eucharist is body and blood. And Eucharist is also medicine for our physical bodies. Medicine that will one day transform us like Lazarus. It's the antidote for our death. And not just Jesus's. The antidote for yours and for mine. When we take the bread and we eat it, or drink from the cup, we are remembering that our big thank you to God is for healing us from decay and death, all that this mortal life brings. Eucharist is called Jesus' last supper for a reason. That meal did not save him from death. It did not save him from death. And Eucharist won't save us from death either but it will one day heal us from it. And that is a promise you and I can start living into today. Where do you need healing from Eucharist? Where do you need resurrection? You can take your medicine today. The bread of this Last Supper is a balm that makes the wounded whole. It is a balm that heals our sin-sick souls. So if you find yourself discouraged or think your work's in vain, come and let the Holy Spirit revive your soul again.